Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that always thinks he's getting that Shakespeare part. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? It stinks. Oh, man, it was Hamlet, not Shakespeare. Oh, I'm going to keep it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one cares. Anyway, Brandon, how are you doing today? I mean, it's been a whole week. I, did, I feel like I didn't really ask you last week. Anything awesome happened in your life recently? Recently? No. Something no. awesome's happening tomorrow. Oh, tell me everything. Even though somebody yeah. is creak creaking into your room. <laughs> Else? Oh, that guy said hello. Uh, Cortland said hello. Well, that's what I was literally just going to say. Yes. Oh, I was being Gilbert Gottfried. I oh, knew somebody would come and ask you. Just pretend I'm Marge Simpson with rice, just the treats and tea. <laughs> well, then you got to do a 360 and walk right back out. I also need a tray. With oh, rice no, a 180. Sorry. <laughs> you want those rice biscuits and tea? I do. <clears throat> okay, what was I saying? Just love it. You said tomorrow's a special day. <laughs> yeah. Becca ruined it. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, anyway. Woo, Father's Day tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> so I'm getting getting excited to be able to get like five hours of sleep. Get out of here. Instead you of four. Lush. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, Brandon. Five hours of sleep. I'm jealous. I know. So what's the opposite of five hour energy? That's what I'm getting. Dang. Okay. Well, I don't know. Do they, do they even have five hour energy in Australia? No. Oh, I, I was allowed energy here. I didn't think so. The idea of drinking a five-hour energy drink. Have you ever had one of those? No. But okay. I imagine it tastes like pure gasoline. That's what I think, too. Look, it's been about 20 years since I have last drank caffeine. So, Brandon. Yeah. I don't think I did anything at all this week. I have to, I'm not going to lie here. That sounds incredible. Um, I've been working out, though, Brandon. Getting buff. Ooh, getting yeah. ripped. So, uh... Kim bought this like starter thing. It's uh, it's called like a Bowflex workout quest or something. No, a <laughs> Bowflex. <laughs> like, oh, Brandon, what the hell? I don't Can I still make Bowflex. those. Probably Is that a blast uh, from the past. You know what? They probably like snapped apart and broke somebody's leg or something. So they were like, no more Bowflexes. Uh, no, it's just it's like a little game. It's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, except it's called Workout Quest. So you have like this board, and every time you complete like your workouts for the day, you just get to move a little bit. And then you roll the dice and you attack a monster and stuff. But the best part is that we got to name our characters. And <laughs> Okay. Uh, I can't remember what Kim named her character. She's going to be mad at me for this one. Hold on. I have to message her. Some, it's like Giggle McSlimbody. I don't remember. Hold on. She's messaging me back. We use Snapchat okay. to communicate when we're not in the oh same God. room. Or sometimes when we are in the same room. Crazy kids with your Snapchat. Cheeks McGiggletush is her character's name. Love so. It. Uh, yeah, so I was like, oh, because she came up with her name first. So I was like, hmm, well, I have to have an awesome name too, right? So I'm Buff McDad Bod. <laughs> These all sound like names for Mystery Science Theater. Oh, it gets worse, mutiny. Brandon. It gets worse. Worse? I mean, I it gets, love these. Look, <laughs> so Lance was like, oh, what should my character name be? And uh, I recommended Tough McLarge Huge. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love it. What would your character's name be? Would it be Fats and Tot? Of course it would be Fats and Tot. Come on. 
Do you remember, Cortland, yes. creating Fats and Tot and being like, oh, he has broccoli hair. Yeah, I do. And now broccoli hair is a real thing that people um, have. Man, EverQuest Online Adventures to the PS2. <laughs> what a life-changing game. We both didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yep. Still talking about it. Wait, hold on. Was, it, was that the first Fast and Todd, or was it Fantasy Star Online? It was Fantasy Star Online, but oh, okay. I think of EverQuest when I think of it. Yeah, because I was like, Brandon, this game's amazing. And you're like, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this splash effect. It's worse than Mega Man 2. <laughs> Brandon, I found a new love in life, and it's EverQuest Online Adventures. And you're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you love something more than me, huh? I'll see about that. <laughs> oh man if that game were still on i wish somebody would make a fan server for it because i just want to look at it yeah that would be fun old mmos are just fascinating to me because like when they're shut down the world's just gone so i'm like i get nostalgic for mmos i've never even played because i'm just like oh that world disappeared into oblivion all right brandon uh i think we've probably talked enough do you want to get into this episode yeah let's talk about dead weight Okay, Brandon. So we just got done watching season three, episode six of Tales from the Crypt. It's called Dead Weight. Brandon, what did you think about Dead Weight? I thought Dead Weight was just okay. Oh my god, I'm glad you said that because I also thought Dead Weight was just okay. A little disappointing considering Whoops was in it, and I was like, oh man, we are in for a treat. Well, you know, the best parts were the parts with Whoops in it. You know, she did great. Yeah, say what you want about Whoops as a human being, but as an actress. Sure. Look, look, say what you want about Whoopi Goldberg in 2023. I mean, okay. In 1991. Yes. Time is also a factor. She was she was hot shit. She was amazing. And I still think she was, you know, really good in the in the things that she played in. And I mean, have you seen Sister Act, Brandon? Have you seen it? Yes, I do believe I've seen that uh, little movie. Okay. What about the second one? Okay, so... When I was younger, I saw Sister Act 2 first. So Sister Act 1 was always like that weird one. Then I was like, whatever, this isn't real Sister Act. Brandon, that's the theme with you because you saw Home Alone 2 first. It's the same thing with Home Alone. (laughs) You know what? I saw Sister Act 2 in theaters, Brandon. Okay? (laughs) Oh. Yeah. That's incredible. (laughs) Back to Whoopi Goldberg. This this episode, uh, it left me asking why, though, a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot. <laughs> and you don't get answers. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, it's just kind of like, and now this. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so? <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's kind of thrown together a little bit. And I feel like it thinks it's smarter than it is a little bit there. And I'm just like, but why? But why, though, Brandon? Yeah. Choices. This, this episode is like a collection of plot twists that aren't, I mean... You can't really even describe them as plot twists so much because, like, you know they're coming. But I think the show thinks they're plot twists. Yeah. But it's kind of like a soap opera where it's just, you know, one crazy thing after another. And then it ends. Exactly. The ending is very abrupt. And they set so many things up and they're, like, so, I mean, they try so to be so smart about it. Like, I'll give you an example that it's not going to spoil a single thing chess brandon chess why yes <laughs> why Shetoff's chess it doesn't make it. you know what fuck it let's just go ahead and get into this episode yeah, we gotta start our episode starts up brandon with our best friend it's the crypt keeper and he's tapping away at a typewriter he is 
making sure all of his friends are dying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Writing horror stories. Blob's eating everybody. It's great. He's got some lays around his neck, and we see he's set up for shop for Crypt Keeper Travel. There's some posters for Transylvania that sucks, and you could lose your heart in San Francisco. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's got a day job. That's fine. He looks up at the camera and welcomes us aboard as Fright Seers. He asks if we're looking for a little holiday fun and says we've all come to the right place. He's right. We have. He specializes in all sorts of hackaged tours. A lot of puns on okay, this part. Look, okay, look, I'm just going to say... <laughs> sometimes less is more with the crypt keeper <laughs> well brandon we got he's about six on more screen for like 30 seconds and sometimes he fits like 30 horror themed puns in there and i'm like you know one or two let's let's work with that i agree with you <laughs> but he's got so many more brandon but first he giggles about that one because that was a good one while giggling he picks up a couple of brochures and asks us uh so what'll it be a few days in a scream park, Brandon? Or would you like me to book you into a nice, quiet, dead and breakfast? Or perhaps you'd like to go treasure haunting like my friend Red. Oh, what a segue, Brandon. He doesn't usually segue into the book, like the, the tales like that. No, that was spoof. It was. I, he was like, damn, character dropping and everything. <laughs> he wants to steal a priceless black pearl and a tasteless tidbit I call dead weight. That whole scene, he's throwing brochures and snatching up the book of tales. And we see the picture for this one, which has a lot going on in it. And, uh, you know, the episode does too, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. There's a dude in the foreground that's cutting into the belly of a fat guy on the floor. There's a woman, kind of in the middle ground, dressed all in black. And she's pointing a gun at the guy who's cutting into the body. On top of all of that, we have the giant face of Whoopi Goldberg staring in the background. And she doesn't look too happy with what she's seeing. No. Whoopi's mad. I do have to, uh, you know, now that I know, like, the knowledge of what's going to happen in the episode, uh, I just have to say, Brandon, she was not in all black at this scene. She was in white, but. Oh, so this cover is bullshit. It's Bologna, Brandon, if you will. False advertising. We fade into the episode and see somebody playing chess. <laughs> yes, this is going to be very important later. Yes, take notes, everybody. You know what? Never mind. I'll do it for you. <laughs> this is Red, our main character. The chess game is literally just beginning, which is important for a second here, as he's only moved about three pawns, and he looks to be playing with himself in chess, Bryn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. He's got a little, <laughs> like, book in his hands that shows him chess moves, maybe? I don't know. Maybe yeah, he just doesn't know how to play dummies. chess. Exactly. It, it, it seems like maybe he just doesn't know how to play chess and he's, like, teaching himself. I don't know. Yeah, Guess he's what? learning strategies. In my notes here, I say, eh, it probably doesn't matter. A few moments later, Red hears a noise and raises up his gun, and in walks not Whoopi Goldberg, Brandon. I know. I was but like, a man. Come on. Yeah. Get to the Whoopi. Exactly. Oh, we get some Whoopi in this episode. Oh, in yeah, we do get that. I literally forgot about that part. <laughs> but yeah, in walks this man. He's named Charlie. Red sighs and lifts up the gorgeous cloth lining the princess bed he's in. And actually, it's probably just a mosquito net in that. It is, but I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, he's so darling in there, <laughs> playing chess. In his princess himself. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so they're on an island in this episode, and I think it might be Jamaica again, or maybe Haiti. I don't know, but... It's Africa. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I looked it up, and it's Africa, and I was like, huh? Wait, 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 wait. So as, as far as, like, this small island they're referring to, it's just all of Africa? 
I think it, I mean, it's some island off of Africa, I guess. What would it be then? Like Madagascar? I don't know. I don't know geography very well. If you think about it, Brandon, everything's an island, right? True. Yeah. We're all just on this island Earth. Anyway, <laughs> he tells Charlie, God damn, I've been waiting for hours. Where the hell have you been? Sassy Charlie's all, where you think? I've been tracking Duval. Then he closes the door and walks more into the room, complaining how it took him all day to find someone who would talk to him about Duval. That son of a bitch practically owns the island and even has a huge plantation up on the mountains. He must be really difficult to find, Brandon. Yeah, he, uh, very hidden, this guy. He's not just out and about on the town. No, I'm sure that this entire episode just is, is, is Red and Charlie just trying to find Duval the whole time. Charles throws his coat and messes up Red's just-started chess game, and Red gets upset about that. But Charles tells him that the plantation is where he keeps the pearl. Now, I know about the pearl because Crypt Keeper told me about it. Mm -hmm. Red snaps his finger saying, bingo, we got him, Charlie. That pearl's practically ours. Charlie deflates that balloon real quick saying it won't be that easy, Red. Anyways, did you get that boat, I asked? Red sidesteps that question saying that he's got an even better idea. If they hijack a plane. But Charlie swivels around yelling, Christ, you're going to fuck things up, ain't you? If I tell you I want a boat, I want a goddamn boat. Red takes big offense to this as it shattered his delicate ego. And he's all, well, gosh, Charlie, I got ideas too, you know. Charlie do know. He yells, well, fuck your ideas. I'm the one that has to do all the dirty work around here. When I make my getaway to the coast, I want to make damn sure I got a way off this stinking island. Well, these two are a real odd couple, am I right? You are totally accurate, Brandon. I'm sure that it's going to be a lot of fun watching these guys get what they want. Yeah, these two are going to be a hoot. It's like oil and water, you know? Mm -hmm. Yin and yang. Yeah. It's like Marv and Harry from Home Alone. Or Home Alone 2. Oh, right. <laughs> the, the first the of your eyes, yes. Red's getting a little T.O.'d now, and he says, don't treat me like a fucking moron. Charlie promptly tells him he's going to treat him however he wants to treat him. Then he looks down at Red's chess game. Like, this is very dramatic. He sees it, uh, that it hasn't even really started, and he slides his arm over the board, knocking all the pieces down. How is oh. he supposed to put that back together, Brandon? He's moved you three pawns. You don't mess with a man's chessboard. Red stands up, asking, what's the matter with you? And Charlie tells him that he should just do his job instead of fucking with games. Well, Red's got news for him. Chess isn't even just a game. It's a way to improve your mind. And he goes to pick up those pieces. Charlie gets sassy again, saying, yeah, well, you got to have a mind in order to improve it. Sick burn, oh, Charlie. Uh, damn. <laughs> Red's done now. So he says, got to hand it to you, Charlie. You're the brains, all right. But if you're so fucking smart, and he pulls out a gun and shoots Charlie in the chest, how come you're the <laughs> one that's dead? He just fucking blasts him. <laughs> we see Charlie slump to the floor and he fucking dies. I don't. Did you see that coming? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I gotta admit, that one I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Just like the chess, Charlie's existence is completely pointless. And I was yeah. Like, why? Why is he? Why is he even a thing? I didn't look. I didn't question chess yet, but I will in a moment. <laughs> well, in a couple of moments, but. Yeah, I don't know. Charlie was uh, he was living it up, having a good life until Red was like, no more of that. Yeah. My notes. Next line. So that was Charlie. 
<laughs> now we zip over to a bar and we see some local militia drinking and stumbling around with their guns. The waitress walks by Red, who's sitting at the bar, and the bartender gets his attention saying, hey, that man over there, that's the person that you were looking for. That's him. It's Duvall. So all that work Charlie did of trying to find this Duvall character on this island. Yes. Now, he just he just goes into the bar and he's there. Yep. You go down to Cheers and he's just hanging out. Yes, yes. Red looks over and we see a man named Duvall walking into the room in a white suit with a cane. And at his arm. <laughs> Very inconspicuous. <laughs> um he's like he very much sticks out uh, as opposed to everybody else in this episode yes and his arm is a woman named katrine well it's spelled katherine and and in imdb but her name is katrine i guess so i have to i'm gonna struggle to say that brandon because i'm obviously i'm gonna read it as katherine (laughs) all right and also she's in white too and i'm just sitting here taking notes wondering where the hell whoopi goldberg is (laughs) seriously we're like five minutes into the episode now. Whoops. You gots to get paid. Where Come are on. you, girl? Let's <laughs> see Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I'm, I'll talk about this at the end, obviously, when we cover the characters. But this is a pretty stacked cast, I will say. Yeah. Some heavy hitters in this one. Mm-hmm. And like, including the, the, the behind-the-camera people. Ooh, I didn't look at the, uh, the directors or anything, so nice. We watched Duvall wander over to a table and sit down with katrine red wastes absolutely no time he stands up and waltzes right over saying mr duvall i'd like to introduce myself my name's red buckley he reaches his hand out for a shake but duvall and katrine just kind of stare at him for a minute so he slides that hand back saying i understand you're looking for some help running your plantation duvall demands to know who told him about this Mm, i think probably everybody right yeah oh you mean that guy in the big fucking white suit (laughs) who sashays his way through the most popular place in town yes yes that man everybody knows exactly what he's doing at all times because they can see him (laughs) from miles away (laughs) but red's all oh uh, it's a small island and word gets around duval nods in agreement and tells red to sit so red looks very interested in duval but peeks a glance at katrine who's lighting up a cigar duval introduces katrine to monsieur buckley is he French? Is that what that is? I don't know. There's a lot going on with the accents in this episode. Yeah, they're they're a little a little bit all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I like that he is like Katrine. This is Mr. Buckley. You know, as if she didn't just hear Red like say his name. <laughs> but she tells him that he's got beautiful hair because his hair is red. As his nickname or name, I guess, is Red. I don't know. He was born with red hair, and Mom and Dad Buckley were like. God, his name's Red now. <laughs> yep. Uh, he does have some good hair, though. I gotta say, it's pretty beautiful. It's all right. He's got some. He's he's got some some hair on his head. <laughs> I'll say that. That you know, you're so generous, Brandon. You're so sweet. Yeah, I really, I really went out of my way there. To, <laughs> I was really vulnerable. You see, that's what makes good podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Duval tells her that she's not being very polite. You don't just compliment men's beautiful hair, Brandon. <laughs> He excuses Katrine's outrageous compliment and also adds that his hair probably even looks weird wherever he comes from. On this island, it's positively unique. Anyway, what do you want to know about running a plantation? Speaking of hair. Yes, Brandon. I don't have any, so let's talk. (laughs) Yes, same. Uh, Katrine's hair is Mm -hmm. uh, ugly here. Damn, okay, Brandon. Because 
She's got the exact same hair as Elaine from the early seasons of Seinfeld with that big poof. I love her poof in the early I seasons of Seinfeld. I hate Elaine's poof. I love Elaine's poof, Brandon. I, I hate, love everything about Elaine. I hate her hair crown. <laughs> Look, that was all the rage back in 1991, okay? It must have been because, yeah, Katrine's sporting it right here. I love Elaine's hair. <laughs> People just walked in and said, give me the Elaine. Just like the Rachel. Yeah, well, I would if I had hair too, Brandon. I'd sport Boof it. it up. <laughs> but only in the front. Red tells Duvall he grew up on a farm. And Duvall seems to not believe that, so he asks to see Red's hands. So Red offers up those bad boys, and Duvall starts touching them. And he says that this doesn't look like the hands of a farmer. And we get a good look at Duvall's hands, which are oddly veiny looking. Yes, oddly fucking disgusting. Yeah, they look like they got tracks in them or something. I wonder if that'll come up again later. Maybe that's like, at, at the moment when I first watched the episode, I was like, is it trying to tell us that he grew up as a farmer and this is what happens if you're a farmer? Your hands get all like mani and gross? I don't know. He itches them, though. And Red kind of looks at the hands again before saying that, oh, well, I've been at sea for a, a lot of years, you know, in the Navy. And Duvall asks, so now you want to get back to the land? And Red tells him if he never sees the water again, it wouldn't break his heart. Duval is immediately like, so then why the hell are you on an island? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't really escape the water here, bro. It's kind of, it's like being on a Hawaiian island or something, you know? There's water everywhere. Especially this one. You are aware of what is going on here. Katrine smiles and Red shakes his head. And Duval tells him about the revolution. Most people are trying to run away. Red double or triples down now. I don't know. I lost count. Saying that he's been in worse places. Duvall is super impressed by this and asks, are you a player of chess? Ah, so it all comes back to chess. Chess is very important for some reason in this episode. Red, who we saw is not, says he totally is a player of chess. And he's real great at it too, you know? Duvall asks Katrine if we should hire him. And Katrine looks him over saying, what the hell? And just like that, Red's got a job running a plantation, I guess. And we can only be one step closer to seeing Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it could mean. I like how Charlie was like going out there, getting leads, working undercover, interviewing people. Yeah. Like scouting locations, looking for getaway vehicles. And Red is just like, I'm just going to go up to the guy and be like, can I come to your house? <laughs> can, I, can I come over to play? <laughs> <laughs> and and it works. Yeah, it does. He's, uh, yeah. It, it's one of my many questions of this episode. That fades us to the plantation where a car rolls up and out comes Red, Duvall, and Katrine. Red tells Mr. Duvall that this place is dope as hell. And Duvall thanks him saying it's one of the few pleasures he has left on this earth. Aren't plantations bad though, Brandon? I, I don't I don't know if they're inherently bad or okay. if I can't can you just have like a, a nice plantation with well compensated employees? I don't think so. If you do, does it cease being a plantation? I don't know. Here's the thing about plantations, Brandon. Um I always associate them with plantains, which I know are some sort of banana. So I just always assumed that plantations were banana farms. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm probably wrong, right? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm stupid, so it's fine. Whatever. Then out of nowhere, Brandon, we hear like gunshots in the fairly close distance. And Duvall tells Red, nah, don't worry about that. It's just the rebels operating in the hills. No biggie. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that gunfire close. 
It's no problem. Uh, it sounds pretty worrisome to me, but eh, not Duvall. Duvall puts my worries to rest, saying that the rebels aren't even very organized on this side of the island. Well, at least not yet, anyway. They slowly make their way to the front door, since Duvall is old and has to walk with a cane. When the door opens up, and a wild Whoopi Goldberg appears, all in Finally! Good yeah, Lord. we're like seven minutes in, and Whoopi Stop Goldberg. Stop the clocks, people. Whoopi's here. <laughs> uh, she smiles and welcomes Duvall back, even saying she missed him. What a sweetie! <laughs> Duvall thanks her and calls her Pedigree, which kind of sounds like the dog food brand to me, Brandon. <laughs> they probably don't have Pedigree uh, over in Australia. You probably haven't even... You don't even have yeah, any I dogs. Can't, I can't say I uh, shop for dog food. Very no. Often. No. No. We feed these kids with human food. <laughs> well, that's good. I don't have to call CPS then. <laughs> Child Protective Services. There's a guy in Australia feeding kids dog food. Well, Go get him. Gassing up the boat. <laughs> he introduces Red saying that he's going to be running the plantation from now on. And man, there's a lot of people in full white clothes in this scene. Because you got Duvall, you got Katrine, and Whoopi Goldberg all in white. And I said I that was that's a choice. A, that's a way... If you're on a plantation, you wear white. You're like, hey, this is to show that I don't work. Maybe. Like, I'm not one of the people working because otherwise I'd be sweating all over this beautiful white suit and it would look nasty and I would get it dirty. Maybe it's a status symbol. They use a lot of bleach here in this, <laughs> this establishment. Pettigrew stares at Red for a moment as he extends his hand for a handshake. But she is just, like, focused on his hair. So suave Red here doesn't want to be totally embarrassed from Pettigrew not shaking his hand, so he slides that up and combs back that beautiful luscious locks. I love that. Classic move. Yes, it's very much like psych, you know? <laughs> Get my hair. I didn't want to shake Whoopi's hand anyway. Duvall looks over at Red saying Pettigrew is going to escort him to his room and asks if they're ready. Pettigrew stares more at Red, kind of mesmerized by his hair, saying his rooms are ready, and she just finished cleansing them. Red assumes that she's the housekeeper, and Duvall tells him, nah, Pettigrew's cleansing is uh, of an entirely spiritual nature. Anyway, come talk to me when you've settled in, and maybe we can play chess. <laughs> Woo -woo -woo. Here we go again with the chess. Duvall walks in, and Katrine follows, but she stops saying if there's ever anything you need, and then walks inside. Red thanks her, and Pettigrew just kind of looks at him some more. After a few awkward moments, Red asks if she's a voodoo priestess or something. And she just kind of nods, saying, Or something. And Whoopi Goldberg here, she really doesn't have an accent at all. Um, it's it's a very odd performance in that respect, because some line deliveries, it sounds like she's trying to put a little something into it. Yes. It's not just her normal accent, but it's not enough to really say, like, oh, she's going for such and such accent. It's very subtle. And then sometimes it's just not there at all. No, but I feel like Whoopi Goldberg's voice is pretty unique in itself. So I don't think she would need an accent. I mean, no. it's Whoopi Goldberg. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. It's 1991's Whoopi Goldberg, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but we cut over to someplace outside where Pettigrew is leading Red. And she asks, is that your real hair color? Red tells her, yeah, but what's all this shit about my hair color? Is this going to come back up in the episode later? Pettigrew assures him, yeah, it's gonna. And that <laughs> the color red symbolizes life. So you should feel very blessed. Red's working on it and asks, so anyway, what's the hot goss on Duvall? Spill that tea, girl. Why's he got a limp and lines on his hand? Pettigrew tells him it's evil spirits. 
He conjures them. Didn't he tell you he's a witch doctor? Red just stares her down for a moment, and she reaches over, touches his shoulder, telling him, gotcha. She got me, too. Yeah, I was like, is this going to get interesting for a second? It doesn't. Nope. (laughs) He laughs a little and asks, no, no, for reals, though. What's up with him? So she tells him, he's got the water worms, Brandon. They mature in the blood and destroy the liver and spleen. Sometimes they migrate out to the skin and burrow there. Also, they're very painful. She leads him over to a small building, which is his room, and opens that shit up. But let's talk about these worms for a second, Brandon. Do you think they matter? No. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the chess and Charlie and this revolution. Yes. It's all just tiny little details that don't really alter the story at all. No, they don't. And this is where I asked why, though, like the third time. (laughs) Let's see if any of these pan out. Inside, Red looks around a little and sets down his bag, complaining this shit ain't exactly the Ritz, is it? And we hear some flies buzzing a bit, and Red goes to close the door, and we see the head of a ram on the wall. He sees that, and he gets super spooked, and he backs up and he falls down. And Pettigray comes up telling him to simmer down. The spirits of the ram are here to protect the hut for him. Pretty generous, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Red doesn't like it, though, and he tells her to get that fucking thing out of here. So Pettigray looks down at him, saying, you should be more careful, especially about things you don't understand. Can you imagine how odd some of your beliefs must be to others? Dang, life lessons from Whoopi Goldberg right there. Yeah, she really made me reconsider. Put that ram head back up. <laughs> Just leave You're it right. there. All those flies buzzing, it'll be fine. There's like literally blood dripping from it. it it's freshly decapitated like 10 <laughs> seconds ago, but put that bad boy up there. She slowly turns around and grabs the ram's head and takes it off the wall and walks out of the room. And with that, Red closes the door, and we cut over to outside the plantation. It looks like it might be the same night, since Red is in the same clothes, and he's Mm -hmm. calling for Duvall. He's just getting right into it, I guess, asking if he's home. He is home. He was just there. He hears more gunshots in the distance and looks that way, but then ignores it, as you do. He walks up to the front door and just opens that up and makes his way inside. He takes a few steps inside the living room, and we see that there's just a big glass display in the middle of the room with a black pearl in it. And I'll be I'll be honest here, Brandon. I expected the black pearl to be a bit bigger because we look at it and I don't know. I don't know anything about pearls, but it just kind of seems like it's just there. It's kind of yeah, underwhelming. It's just, like, it's just this black marble sized thing. Yeah, I don't know. Cool, I guess sure red sees that on display say shit and a hand reaches out and touches him and it spooks him because red is a scared cat but it's just duval who tells him not to get too close because it'll set off all the alarms and he doesn't think that they want the local army commandant to come over here because he's not going to appreciate being dragged away from his post you know in his bed i wouldn't it's nighttime i'd be pissed don't wake me up when i'm in my jammies he says that they're far more reliable than the island's police you know the army but That's the benefit of having friends in high places. He helps Red Ups, who's all, golly gee, I've never seen anything quite like this pearl. Duvall stares at it too, saying, yeah, and you never will. It's one of a kind. I mean, there are other black pearls, but none like this one. Are the other ones better? Because this one's kind of meh. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Red thinks that's got to be worth a lot of money, and Duvall agrees. But he doesn't really plan on selling it, since some things are worth more than money, like having a small marble of a pearl. And also, he's already rich. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) A rich person would say this. (laughs) 
He gets on first name basis with Red now and tells Red to call him Emil. And I refused because I just put a Miss Duvall in all my notes. They like each other now. It's pretty great. What's your read on Duvall, Cortland? Oh, I quite like Duvall. Do you think he's good? I mean, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, I'm asking. What do you uh, think? I don't. Th- I look, I'm sure that he got his money in illegal ways, but he seems like such a friendly guy. He really does. And I was like kind of surprised because I felt like the show was trying to like build him up as some kind of crime boss mm-hmm. sort of guy. But once like Red is in his employ, he's like, yo, man, we're, we're going to be tight. It's going to be this. Is gonna yeah, be good. I like you. They're going to be good friends. I, I don't I don't know why. That's yeah. another, I guess. That's why, though? Why, question. though? Yeah. Really weird, considering they've known each other for, like, two hours at this point. Yeah. Like, he bursted into that bar, I was like, shake my hand, and now they're besties. <laughs> he must be desperate for friends, is what I put in my notes. must be. Red says that he'd really like it if they were friends. And Duvall tells him, good. Now I gotta get to bed. Oh, and word of advice, don't get old. It sucks. Because he's, like, caning his way away. That is good advice. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. Don't get old. I felt like I feel like we've said that one before, but still it's lives always on. Always good advice. <laughs> you know what? I, look, whenever anybody tells me like, "Oh, don't get old," you know, because I used to work in a nursing home and stuff, I'd be like, "Well, it's better than the alternative." I'm funny. Duval waddles <laughs> out of the room, and Red makes his way outside. Katrine calls from the side that it's quite beautiful, isn't it? And we see she's changed into a black dress now, so she blends in with the shadows. Surprised they have black clothing on this plantation. Well, she tells slash asks Red if that black pearl was gorgeous or what. Red thinks, yeah, it was pretty cool. But I was under the impression that you were Duvall's black pearl. She tells him, nah, I'm his black diamond. Red looks down and sees that there's a chessboard on the table because this episode just loves chess for some reason. Here we go. It all comes down to this, finally. And he touches the queen saying, nah, maybe you're his black queen. Doesn't seem right that an incredible looking woman like you is with a sick old man like him. Damn, they're friends. I don't get it. I know. Katrine assures Red that Duval is really good to her. Red's all, oh, him or his money. Katrine Ooh. rolls her eyes saying, yeah, you're one to talk. Red comes to the cliche conclusion that maybe Duval was right and there's more to life than money. And Katrine asks, oh, yeah, and what might that be? Red slides his way over to her and smooches her on the lips. What then looks the back hell? down. I don't know, Brandon. <laughs> then Why, looks back. Though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> then he looks back down at the chessboard and makes an incredibly illegal move, moving the Red King like six spots to knock well, out the he queen. He didn't finish the book. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know how to play chess. <laughs> Saying the Red King takes the Black Queen and then smooches her a whole bunch more. Dude. Emil is like 20 feet away right now. <laughs> you sees all of you've this. You've been at this job for two hours? Yeah, at the most. <laughs> you haven't even actually worked a day there yet. You haven't clocked in. Mm-mm. And you're already like accusing the, the boss's wife of being a gold digger and then just kissing her. Makes no fucking sense, Brandon. But you know what the best part about all of this is? That's the last chess moment. <laughs> yeah. Chess is out. Was that all for that. was the big, the big conclusion to all that buildup. Yep. Red's the king and Katrina's queen. I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't. Especially considering most of the time chessboards are white and black, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> At least it all worked out for him, I finally. I a special one for this dumb pun. 
Hey there everybody, Cortland here, your good buddy and your favorite chess player. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything we've got. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. For all the bonus content, check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash private island. We post new content multiple times a week, so there's always something new for you to enjoy. We've got early release episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Take a look and become a patron today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, The Best, Veniswitch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, Rad Magical, Faith, and returning patron Shane, The Goths, Stephen, Matt, Lindsay, Aaron, Brittany, Rachel, Sid, and Corey, The Citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Ryan, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and your boys and girls, Kathy Fair and Bryce and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. You can find us over on social media as well. There's at UANpod on Twitter or X, at Upple Night Podcast on Instagram and Threads, at Upple Night HA Podcast on YouTube, and at Private Island Presents on TikTok. We post plenty of content for every single episode that we cover on the show. You can find me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash private island C. I plan on playing some horror games for the upcoming spooky season, so I hope you stop by and say hello. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show. Aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Thanks so much for listening in. For now, I'll let you get back to that episode, and I will talk with you again next week. Bye, everybody. Are you ready, Brandon? Because we cut over to the bedroom where we get a sweaty sex scene. <laughs> Woo! We haven't had one of those in a while in Tales from the Crypt, I have to no. say. Red lasts about two seconds and collapses saying, baby, you're something. Katrine tells them, all right, I'm going to head out before Emil starts looking for me on account of he doesn't sleep much anymore. Outside, we hear some more gunshots because we have to be reminded of that. And Katrine tells them, man, those rebels sure are working on the side of the hill. Maybe they're getting closer. And she stands up and we see her butt cheeks. <laughs> Ooh, okay. There's a Wilhelm scream here, by the way. I know. I put it in here. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. All right. Red asks her if she knows how to turn off his security. And Katrine laughs at him saying, man, you're not very subtle, are you? No, he's really not. It's kind of his whole thing. <laughs> we hear a Wilhelm scream from the fighting, I guess. And Red tells her he has no time <laughs> for subtleties. Come on. You want that pearl, too. Why wait for it? If you want something, you just take it. Katrine to know how the security system works, though, so Red tells her to find out. So Katrine tells him that stealing the pearl is the easy part. Getting away between the rebels and the army, though? Red assures her he can handle it. We got a deal? She shrugs and clinks glasses, which is essentially a binding legal agreement. Yeah, that's island law. We cut to sometime later, but not too later, because I think this all episode all takes place on, like, two nights. Red is in his red underwear because he loves the color red. In bed, when the sheets next to him start moving and twitching. That obviously wakes him up, so he lifts the sheet up, and we see there's a somewhat dead chicken with blood everywhere dancing in his bed. That's <laughs> quite a sight. That spooks him, because as we know, Red is scared of everything, and stumbles over, and pedigree. <laughs> you say that there. like you wouldn't be. You're right, You're just sleeping in your tidy reddies, and <laughs> you lift up a sheet, and there's a bleeding half-dead chicken screaming and gargling on its own blood yeah i get scared too you're right i like didn't recognize it as a chicken for like 20 seconds and i thought it was some kind of like giant bug <laughs> and i was like whoa this episode just got cool and i was like oh wait it's just a chicken just a chicken brandon but 
We get more Whoopi Goldberg here, though, because Pettigrew's in the room, and she's like, are you crazy? Bringing that woman here? She is dangerous, girl. She will take your soul and throw it away. Bread calls her nuts, and that she's the one that's dangerous. But Pettigrew assures him she's trying to protect him. They have a stare-off for a few moments, and then she walks away. And Red gets up, and then we cut to the plantation. Red's fully dressed now in his best denim, and there's two army dudes in front of him. He pushes them aside, saying, I live here, assholes, and I've been here for like five hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm the king of this plantation now. He walks past them and to Katrine, who's back in white now, and he asks, what's all the hubba? She tells him the rebels took the capital, Brandon. Oh, no. The rebels. The army is still holding on to the airport, but they want everybody to leave tonight. And we look over at Duvall, who's sitting in a chair talking to the army captain or whoever. And he stands up as Katrine explains they're running a convoy to the airport. Red walks over to Duvall, who tells him it's bad news, I guess. Hopefully the army regains control. But in the meantime, I want you to do me a favor. Take care of Katrine for him. Go with her on the convoy tonight. Red asks, but wait, aren't you going? Duvall's too old and too sick to run. Red asks if he's going to just wait for the rebels to come get him. But Duvall tells him he ain't going to go as quietly as you'd think. Don't worry about him. Just get Katrine out of here. And he goes to sit back down with the army captain. Red walks over to Katrine, looks at her, then walks out the door. And we stay on Katrine for a moment, who looks a little bit worried. Hmm. She looks something. She looks like Elaine from season one. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit later, we see Red looking out his window as a car of sorts rolls up. He was playing with a pocket knife, so he puts that away. And the door opens up and Katrine pops in saying that they're gone now. Red asks what took them so fucking long. Even though he just found out that the rebels took over. So it's like, dude, are you stupid? Even though this entire episode's taking place over like four hours. So wonky. Wonky as hell. Come on, let's get this shit over with. Katrine tells him that the pearl's gone, and Red says, What? When did this happen? It's been minutes. Did he think that like everyone was just gonna evacuate and then the pearl, the pearl would, would just, just yeah just be there? The pearl's just the only thing it left. <laughs> <laughs> She tells him that it was sometime between the last scene cut, but she doesn't know because she was packing. Red here pulls out a gun saying, girl, if you're fucking me. But Katrine assures him that they are partners, remember? They even clink glasses and everything. Red vows to get to the bottom of this and runs off. Why Why would either of these people trust each other? Like, they have no mutual goal. Both of their goal is to be as rich as possible. Like, how does... I don't know. Red made the big assumption that Katrine, like, didn't actually like Duvall, even though she gave no indications, really, of that, besides being like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I don't know, Brandon. It's stupid. Okay. At the plantation, Red pops on inside and goes immediately to the display, where there used to be a pearl, but there isn't a pearl there anymore. So he says, shit. And he looks around a little, pointing his gun at the darkness, and then walks over to another room. He opens that room up, and we see Duvall is there, and he's packing some money in a bag or something. Red sees this, saying, well, that's a weird thing for a man to do who's about to meet his maker. And Duvall looks at him, asking if the gun is really necessary. Red says it is, and also, I want that pearl. Duvall asks Red if he thinks he's being a wee bit selfish and isn't Katrine enough. Duvall's giving him Katrine, and the pearl might be worth money, but, a, you know, a beautiful woman. Red doesn't think that she's his to give, and cocks his gun, telling him to give him that tiny black pearl, Brandon. He wants it. it. This whole time that Duvall is, you know, being held at gunpoint, 
Mm-hmm. He's not raising his voice or getting angry or no, you know, begging for his life. He's just like, man, put that gun away. What you doing, fool? I kind of love it. Yeah, Duvall's my favorite character. You know, next yeah. to Whoopi Goldberg, because she's not really in this episode all that much, honestly. No, she's not. Duvall gets real here, telling Red how disappointed he is in him, and oh, that stings. Even though he's only known him for like twelve hours, maybe at this point. Yeah, he seems <laughs> sincerely hurt. He's like. Man, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, Red. I thought we were tight. <laughs> they could have been friends, Brandon. They could have been their world to have. But I mean, maybe. If they spent more than a day together, maybe. But <laughs> He puts a lot of faith in Red for not actually knowing him even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he swears to Red that even if he wanted to give him the pearl, that he can't right at the moment put his hands on it. Well, Red ain't an idiot, and that pearl's got to be here. And it doesn't make any sense that he'd be waiting around for the Rebels to show up. Duvall just calmly packs more stuff as Red comes to the conclusion that Duvall is waiting for the Rebels. <gasps> Brandon, oh my gosh, such dun, a dun, plot twist. <laughs> In fact, Duvall knows that Army Convoy ain't going to make it. Duvall tells Red that isn't true, and now he's just insulting him. He wants Red to get away, Brandon. He loves Red. He finishes packing and walks past Red, but Red yells, so he stops and puts his dad voice on saying, I told you, I cannot lay my hands on it. Well, Red accuses Duvall of being full of shit. So Duvall turns around and grabs a gun, you know, from his like pocket. But Red's too quick and shoots him a bunch of times. Duvall falls to the ground and fucking dies. Damn. And Red walks on up, putting his gun away. From out of the shadows, stomps Katrine. <laughs> stomps? <laughs> you know. She does, like though. 40 pounds. But yeah, she's fucking stomping her way through there. (laughs) (laughs) They're big old combat boots. She wants to know, did you get that pearl? Red tells her, oh yeah, baby, I got the pearl. And he dumps out Duvall's freshly packed bag. But uh uh-oh, there's no damn pearl here. They rummage through that crap some more. Like Red overturns the 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 package again and there's literally nothing in it but he tries again so he really he really thinks that duvall just like threw that pearl in the bottom of a purse it was just like i'm out (laughs) he you know he did that thing that was under a glass case with like lasers and cameras (laughs) he just chucked that thing into his duffel (laughs) threw some newspaper on it Yes, he did. He okay. did. He thought, That's but it's not Red there. Thought. You want to know what he finds, though, Brandon? He finds balloons. <laughs> and okay. asks, he asks Duvall's dead body what he's doing with balloons. Some kind of welcome to the plantation party for Red. Oh, I bet you it was, too. He would. He's such a sweetie. Duvall's the best. He looks closer at the balloons and then down at Duvall and smiles, calling him a smart fuck. Katrine doesn't understand, and Red looks at her saying, Duvall said he couldn't get to the pearl right away, because this is where it is. And he stretches that balloon, explaining that he put the pearl in the balloon and then swallowed it. Yeah. It's not cocaine. <laughs> no. It's, it's, a, it's a pearl. And man, if you can swallow a pearl, it ain't that impressive. It's stupid. It's dumb, Brandon. Yeah. Red knows exactly what he has to do next, so he grabs his switchblade and rips off Duvall's shirt. And we see Duvall's belly, and it's riddled with tracks, which is super gross. It's disgusting. Katrine explains that they're worm tracks. Red winces and then cuts into the guy's belly right by the belly button. Then we just watch him just open that belly like (laughs) their window blinds. (laughs) (laughs) 
And inside are just a ton of worms. And I was wondering, so you said, you know, there's some special people behind the scenes. Was it written by R.L. Stein, perhaps? <laughs> You'd think. This episode makes him proud. Red thinks that this is totally gross. And Katrine adds in a detail that the worms spread through contact somehow. And Red doesn't get, he, doesn't, uh-huh. you know, he just wants to And that that's a line crawl. I thought was definitely going to come back. You would think. the ending. But again, it's added into the category of, but why, though? How, how like, ironic would it be if, like, his greed and his, like, short-sightedness to get this pearl ended up killing him by infecting him with some horrible parasite? Yes. That would be a fitting punishment. I feel like this episode didn't really know what it was doing. Like, it had all these ideas booked up. It has the rebels, the worms... The chess, like the Whoopi Goldberg doing weird stuff, but it really doesn't lead anywhere. I feel like there was probably a lot of different endings that they had for this episode, and they chose kind of the honestly, worst like, one. <laughs> yeah, kind of the most boring one. But you know what? Let's see what happens here. Okay, he's he's you know getting sloppy with his belly and getting all in there. There's worms everywhere. Brett doesn't care about it though, and Katrine thinks that's straight up disgusting and looks to be about to vomit. Yeah, it is disgusting. I mean, it is gross, but it feels like this worm buildup was all just for this boring scene where he's cutting through a belly. Like, why? I mean, it's boring, but more than anything else I've seen in any of these shows, it made me very uncomfortable. You know, cutting in the insides of somebody, it's pretty gross. No, it's not that at all. It's the worms. (laughs) The worms, Brandon. Like like the tracks on the body and just the idea of them wiggling around in your organs and through your bloodstream. It's, pretty gross. It's horrifying on a on another level. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> it did shut down his liver and kidneys or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're just in there, man, all the time. <laughs> Behind your eyeballs, in your brain. After a while, Red pulls out Duvall's intestines, and he just snips it in half. <laughs> like it's nothing. He pulls out the balloon, he snaps that too, and finally gets that sweet, sweet black pearl. What Red didn't see, though, is that Katrine is grabbing the gun out of Duvall's hands. And she points it at Red and calmly asks him to put down the pearl. She even says, please. What a sweetie. Red just looks at her saying, hey, I hope I'm not taking this the wrong way. She doesn't think so. And Red's all, but, but Katrine, listen to me. Between the cash and the pearl? And she cuts in saying there's plenty for both of them. Or maybe just bunches and bunches for me. What if the rest of this episode yeah. was just... People getting the pearl and then getting shot, and then the person who picks up the pearl then just gets shot, and it's just a constant cycle. That would be a really fun one, because, like, you know, Red dies, she picks up the pearl, uh, you know, a rebel comes in, shoots her, grabs a pearl, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, forever. I got It'd it. Be great. <laughs> Over with pedigree, because Whoopi Goldberg's still in this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. She lifts up a gigantic, like, needle, like a pin. She sticks it in a voodoo doll of Katrine. Back with Katrine. She acts like she's getting stabbed and screams out, Oh, God! With Pettigray, we see the back of the needle sticking through the doll and there's blood all over it. With Katrine, she falls to the ground and fucking dies. (laughs) Yep. There's a big red stain on the back of her gorgeous white coat, Brandon, because unlike the picture for this episode, she's in white. Yeah, it's a shame. It was a nice white coat. A lot of good white coats on this show. Yeah, white coats are all that, you know? But I will say, if she was in black, you wouldn't quite be able to see the bloodstain so well. She convulses a few times, and Red looks up to see Pedigree walking into the room. 
She tells him that she doesn't want the pearl. In fact, if she had, she'd have taken it any time. She wants to get him out of here. And then she smiles and puts that big needle between her teeth and slides it, lapping up all the blood, I guess, even though there is none on it when she puts it in her mouth. She tells him he can't escape without her. And she throws the voodoo doll on Katrine's body, which twitches violently because something just got, you know, thrown on top of her. Mm -hmm. Now we're outside and Pettigray is leading Red to safety. Red asks why she's doing this, which is a great question that I also want to know the answer to. (laughs) All right, well, let's hear what the answer is. Well, she ignores that question, Brandon, saying, Damn it, Whoopi. (laughs) You don't understand why I don't want the pearl, and I don't understand why you do. Red tells her that it's totally worth a whole bunch of money, and money's good. She asks what money's even worth, and Red's all, huh? Money? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever amount of money it is. Uh, What? They stumble through the tall grass and shit of the island, and Pettigray asks, So, now that you have it, are you happy? And she walks on, and Red stops and stares after her, saying that fucking delirious. They make their way down the path some more, and Red says he owes her. And she's all, well, perhaps I just want you to get out in one piece. Red just wants her to know something, that this pearl isn't just money. He knows a lot of people that want it, and none of them had the balls or brains to get it. This pearl means respect. Pettigray tells him, you know, Red, if I had red hair like yours, I could have respect too. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Whoopi. Sure. He laughs and starts walking past her saying that he doesn't think red hair would work for her. He's wrong, though. It totally would look amazing on Whoopi Goldberg. She stops saying, oh, I do. Then Red stops, too, and looks down the path and sees it leads to a little village. And he's all, hold on a sec. Where are all those lights down there? Where the hell are we? And Pettigray tells him it's her village. You know, they say the spirit lives in the hand. Your head must have a very special spirit in it. And she raises up a machete. Red chuckles, and he turns to look at her, and then screams. And we see Pettigray slash that machete, and Red's head comes just clean off. Oh. Yeah. His body plops to the ground, and we get to see his, like, neck hole? <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> that is the official oh. term, yes. His dead hand releases its clutch on the pearl. And Pettigray picks that pearl up, and she kind of shrugs at it and then tosses it aside. Then she looks down, and she picks up Red's severed head and walks on down to the village. And uh, that's kind of the end of the episode a bit. Yep. Very suddenly it just ends. Yeah. Um, I don't understand almost everything about this episode, Brandon. So, you know, like, one minute ago when she was like, if I wanted that black pearl, I would have just taken it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with his head. Yes, it is. So why didn't she just take it? It doesn't make any sense to me where she was like, you're in danger, girl. Don't talk to that woman. You know, I'm trying to protect you from everything. But yet you just cut his head off at the end of the episode. I, it just seems really dumb to me. I don't get it at all. No. And his neck hole doesn't look great. His head, his severed head, because, like, you know, she has it in her hands. I don't even think he has red hair with the, like, you know, head model that they use. And his eyes are wide open and his mouth is open. It looks like shit. And I just, I don't get it. What was Pedigree after? Like, she was after his head the whole time, but she was alone with him so many times she could have taken it any moment. The worms, I, why the pearl is whatever, the chest is, huh? I just don't get anything. I don't get it. It's just. Drama for drama's sake? I don't know, but it all just leads to, like, nothing in the end. Yeah. 
it's it's a disappointing end for sure the rebels like was Pettigrew part of the rebels i don't know it doesn't tell us who knows let's go back to crypt keeper brandon because let's see how his travel agency is going right yeah i'm, I'm sure he's still going at 95 yeah. Back with the Crypt Keeper, he's in a suit now, and he says, oh, talk about being headed off at the pass, and he chuckles, and the camera pans back to see Crypt Keeper switch things up now, and he's like a late night talk show host, so what was even that beginning part? <laughs> this episode had no idea what yeah, I wanted even, to do. Even the Crypt Keeper segments are like disjointed and don't make any sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they were doing here. Whoopi Goldberg is there, though, so you know what? Who really cares? We got Whoopi back. <laughs> he tells us, we've got a guest. It's Whoopi. And it's such a pleasure to meet her. Also, I want her to know that he loves her movies. The Killer Purple. Whoopi corrects him, saying, it's the color purple, Crypty. He's all, oh, right. Well, uh, congratulations on winning that Academy of Weird. Whoopi thanks him, but corrects him again, saying it's actually called an Academy Award. Crypty shrugs, saying, ah, whatever. Look, it's a pleasure to meet you, a big star like you. And Whoopi points at him, saying, now you're a pretty big star. I mean, I'd love it if you'd be in my next film. Crypt Keeper can't believe that, saying, really? Then Whoopi pulls out that machete again, saying, yeah, it's just a bit part. Crypty's flattered, and Whoopi tells him, but you don't know what bit I want. Crypt Keeper just doesn't want to wind up on the cutting room floor. And he laughs a whole bunch because that's hilarious. And Whoopi yeah. smiles and then stops, pointing the machete at him, saying, okay. And that shuts up the Crypt Keeper for a moment for some reason. And just enough time to let Whoopi give a quick eyebrow raise to the camera. And that's the end of this confusing episode, Brandon. Wow. Okay. That was something. Yeah. I don't know if they used Whoopi Goldberg to her like peak potential here. I'm so glad she was in the episode. I think she was a really great part of it. Duval was amazing. Everything else in the episode was kind of like just forgettable. Yeah. It wasn't a bad episode, but I don't care about it at all. It's probably going to rank low on my list, honestly. Yeah. Like, uh, here's what I liked about this episode. Tell me everything. Is that uh, it? Whoopi, Gold <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg was in it. Yep. Though I don't really like her character that much. Duvall's the fucking man. I want to be his friend. He's dead Although though. It, his body is disgusting. I don't want to see it. Um... Wilhelm scream was pretty funny. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I think I one thousand percent agree with you, Brandon. Um, totally agree. This episode's kind of a kind of a meh one. You know what though? You want to know what I learned from this episode though, Brandon? What did you learn? Just be friends with Duvall. He seems like a great guy. <laughs> yeah, be friends with him. Uh, don't break the bro code and start making yeah. out with his gold digging wife. Yep. If a dead chicken is in your bed, just just go to sleep. Just yeah, ignore it. It's not worth it. Sleep same is thing, important. Same thing with people starting wars and like, you know, explosions and battles near your house. Just ignore it. Go to sleep. It'll be fine, Brandon. What's the worst that can happen? Maybe a really good moral of the story is don't put all your trust in somebody that you met like four hours ago. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of somebody a weird one. Somebody who like Seemed like they were lying to you when you met them then. Oh, yeah. I'm a farmer. Uh, yeah, worked on a farm all my life. Oh, my hands are like pristine and look like a hand model. Oh, I was on the ocean. Yeah. I was in the Navy where I didn't yeah. do any handwork. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Duvall. 
I like you, man, but you're kind of stupid. It's yeah. unfortunate. The character not, not flaw. A great, not a great sense of judgment, but a great everything else, I gotta say. You want to know what else I don't understand about this uh, episode, Brandon? Why is uh, it called Dead Weight? Yeah, I thought the same thing. The, some of these episodes are like, oh, like that's a, it's not the best title, but it makes some amount of sense. This one, I don't get the title at all. I would understand it a little bit if it was dead weight, as in, like, W-E-I-G-H-T. I think that's how you spell weight, right? Yeah. Yeah, the title's a pun. It's it's dead weight. W-A-I-T. There's no waiting in this episode. It literally takes place within no. the span of, like, an hour. So, yeah. I don't, nobody's waiting for anything. Maybe <laughs> they're waiting for the This episode is girl. filmed in real time. <laughs> there are no cuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think a better episode title would just be something like the Black Pearl, you know, or, you yeah, know, Curse of the Black Pearl, Warm Guts or Red is Dead. There you go. I, I just there's so many other names that it could be. That would be the cool Elaine. Ah, the Elaine. Yeah. Uh, you know, whoopies in this episode. <laughs> That'd be fine. I'd be OK with that. <laughs> We're having whoopee on the there, show. There you go. That's even a better pun anyway. It's great. Brandon, do you want to meet the cast? Yeah, who are Whoopi? <laughs> uh, let's let's take a look and see. Like I said before, this is a pretty stacked cast because, like, I looked at their IMDb and I was like, oh my god, I know like I, well, most of these people. Mm-hmm. So first up is the one that got paid the most in this episode, probably. It's Whoopi Goldberg. Sure. And if you don't know Academy who Whoopi Award is, Award winner Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, if you don't know who Whoopi is, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, though, like. She wasn't in too, too many things before she was in Tales from the Crypt, or at least, like, not as many as you would think. She started it off in 1982 with Citizen, and then she was in The Color Purple, which they talk about in, you know, this episode. Yeah. She was also in, Brandon, the TV movie Tales from the Whoop, Hot Rod Brown Class Clown. That sounds like a really good movie. That is quite a title. Yeah. What do you know her most from? I I guess Sister Act is probably what I know her most from, but... I'd say that's the thing that immediately comes to mind yeah she was in star trek generations she does a lot of voice work like i said before her name is very uh sorry her her voice is very unique how stella got her groove back brandon from 1998 yep classic she was in lil romeo nick cannon and 3lw parents just don't understand i love that song she was in house party too she was also in pinocchio 3000 (laughs) why why is that a thing um, I, I mean, most most recently she's been on, I don't know, The Talk, The View, the something. She was in that. And she does a lot of voice work. Most recently she was in Summer Camp Island, uh, 16 episodes from 2019 to 2023. So, yeah, I mean, she's still working. It's Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she's still working it. Yeah. She's an EGOT winner. Oh, love that. Whatever it is. Star Trek Picard. She was in that for two episodes, too. So, uh. Yeah, I, I mean, Smokey Goldberg. There's really not much to say about her. She's kind of a household name. Let's let's take a look at our, some of the other cast here. Uh, let's go with Red because he's really the main character of the episode. She's played by James Remmer. Oh, he was just in uh, Oppenheimer. He was. Yeah, a lot of these people they've been in really big things. Uh, Red here started it off with a TV movie. Well, it says Hatfields and McCoys as a TV movie, but it doesn't have an like a like a year on it. So. Uh, in 1978, he was in On the Yard. Man, I stumbled through that. I'm going to keep it, though. He was in the Equalizer TV series from 1987. I don't know if I recognize him from anything. Okay, well, what I recognize him from the most 
is he plays Dexter's dad on Dexter. Oh, I've never seen Dexter. That's cool. <laughs> and it just it will always cut to flashbacks of him just being like, "Don't do that, Dexter. Don't kill people, <laughs> Dexter." <laughs> also, he's just like a ghost that Dexter imagines, and he's like, "Stop it, Dexter." Wow. Okay. Dexter should have listened. So that's to him. a great role. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, I think yes. is uh, he played Raiden in yes, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, we covered Mortal Kombat on a plot points, but we did not cover the sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, because it may be one of the worst movies ever made. Yes, absolutely. It's probably, it's a contender for it, for sure. Uh, he was in Twilight Zone, X-Files, Survivor's Club, I don't know what that is. He was in the video game, The Warriors. I remember when that came out, everybody was like, ooh, baby, but I uh, don't think anybody's talked about it since then. Nope. He was in The Vampire Diaries, people love that. Kill Zone 3, the video game. Uh, he was in The Legend of Korra for 14 episodes. That's pretty cool. I like that show. Oh, he was in Seventh Heaven. Oh, you love Seventh Heaven. <laughs> oh, baby, Seventh Heaven. He does a lot of voice work. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. He was in Gotham, Brandon. Um, the TV show about, you know, Gotham City. Every time I look at it, though, I always read it as Got Ham. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like you said, he most recently was in Oppenheimer. So that's cool. He's still working it. Good job, Red. Let's talk about Vanity. Uh, she played Katrine, the late Vanity. She passed away in 2016, and she is probably most known for being in a girl group called Vanity Six. Nice. Yeah. I did listen to their uh, most famous song called like Nasty Girl or something like that, and I didn't care for it, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. Is it something I would recognize, or is it just some... No. Were they not very popular? I don't think they were popular enough for me to recognize it. And I love 80s music. Like, 80s music is my favorite. Oh, yeah. I'm currently playing GTA Vice City. And oh, that's perfect. It's pretty much just to listen to the music while I'm driving around. Yeah, I love that. Um, So I didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize Nasty Girl, which is their biggest hit from 1982. Um, But she started things off in 1979 with Klondike Fever, which I, I can only assume is the ice cream, right? Yeah. What else would it be? Nothing. It wouldn't be anything. She was in Friday the 13th, the series. So uh, I don't know if I... We've been kind of watching that on the watch parties on Instagram. I really, really enjoy the show. I don't know if I've seen her in it yet, but she was in it. I don't think so because we're not in 1989 yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most recently, like I said, she passed away, but her most recent role was in 1997 with Kiss of Death. She was in the Highlander TV series, though. But that's Vanity. I like Vanity. I like her hair. Let's go on with the last character I'd like to talk about, which is Duvall, played by John Rhys Davies, who Brandon, I had no idea, was Gimli what? from Lord of the Rings. He's Gimli. You didn't know that? I didn't recognize him as Gimli because he's so <laughs> tall in this episode. Yeah, they use trickery for sure. How dare they trick me? <laughs> he was also just recently in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Brandon. That's really cool. Yeah, he's in a few of the Indiana Jones movies. Wait, I like he, was in, him. he was in the first one. You've when? seen that. Just when recently. was he in the first one? He was Sala. I don't know who Sala was. Oh, was he the guy that they were like worked with to, to do the digging at the yes. Nazi camp? Oh, that's him. That's so cool that he's still in the Indiana Joneses. That's really cool. Uh, he started things off in 1964 with Crossroads, and he has been working ever since. He's got a bunch of IMDb credits, including The Adventures of Black Beauty <laughs> from 1974, Brandon. <laughs> 
including that one? Yes. Wow. <laughs> He's done it all. Way to call out his best thing right away. I kind of love him. He's a really good actor. He is. He was in Batman the Animated Series. He did a voice in an episode in that. He was in The Princess Diaries too. He was in The Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> Does anybody remember that show? Because I don't think so. Nope. He was in Animaniacs for an episode too. He was in a short called Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye Ride. Uh, that must be some sort of like, you know, amusement park thing. He was in the TV movie Au Pair. Oh, you love Au Pair, Brandon. Well, yeah. He was in Freakazoid, Ah Real Monsters, Pinky in the Brain. So many things. The Justice League. He was in SpongeBob SquarePants for two episodes. And then he hit it big with Lord of the Rings playing Gimli. That's lovely. I, I would I'd be happy to be friends with him. If you were like, hey, I've only known you for two hours. Can I be your bestie? I'd be like, yes, you can. But that's the cast, Brandon. Do you want to see what's on the list for next week? Yeah, I'll just uh, say that this episode was directed by Toby Hooper, who is most known for directing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Ooh. Poltergeist. Wow. Okay. I love so it. So two pretty big uh, horror movies. That's pretty awesome. I, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> you, wait, you've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, I've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've seen oh. Poltergeist, though. That's a good movie. You should watch the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, the video game for it just came out, and everybody seems to really love it. Oh, well, maybe that will get people to watch it. Because it's a really good movie. The first one is, like, it's really good. It has, like, a very grindhouse kind of snuff film, almost creepy quality to it. Well, the budget for it's not very big, right? No. It's not it's not a big budget movie and it feels it feels like you're watching people die. Ooh. Okay, that's probably why everybody likes it so much. As we learned in the very first episode of Tales from Crypt, everybody would love to watch public executions. Yeah, that's what they say. Alright, what do we got next? Next week, Brandon, we're in season three, episode seven, The Reluctant Vampire. Ooh. I know. Reluctant right? about what? I'm assuming Just being a vampire. I think most vampires are reluctant. <laughs> they do. They do seem a bit reclusive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not really out there like, yo, I'm a vampire. What's up? <laughs> well, let's read this description here. A good natured okay. vampire takes a more novel approach to satisfying his bloodlust with his chosen undercover employment. So is he a okay, cop? So this, this is a cheery vampire. Yeah. Is, what is the... The Reluctant Dragon. You ever, ever seen that? I feel like I have. Something in the back of my brain is going ding-ling-ling, but I don't know. What is that? That's fine. No, who cares? Like most of the voices in your mind brain, just ignore them. It's fine. I uh, try. <laughs> I don't really see anybody in the cast that I, I recognize. Malcolm McDowell? Okay. That sounds so familiar, is... actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is somebody who... His presence is like... This is either really good or this is total shit. Because he was in A Clockwork Orange. Okay. Which is a very famous and well-regarded movie. Yeah. But then he's also in like, I don't know, like Space Buddies or something. <laughs> Things of that caliber. <laughs> Santa Buddies too. Dreams come true. Uh, well, that's, that's fine. I, th I love the idea of like a vampire being like, you know, I got to drink blood out of animals instead of people. I think it's fun. Don't even tell me I'd like Twilight Brandon. I don't, I don't want to hear I would it. Never, I would never say that. But you would love Twilight. Okay, I'm out enough, Brandon. I've been up all night. Fuck <laughs> this shit. I'm out. Okay. Next week, The Reluctant Vampire. Let's do it.
All right. I'll be here. All right. Nice. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Or something.